This is Education Tuesday's Welcome to Eva Talks. In this episode, I am with somebody who is very charismatic, knowledgeable, just a wonderful, kind, and talented human being, Massimo Casagrande, the Director of Education at Instituto Marangoni, Miami, who has become my second home. Massimo, welcome to Eva Talks. Hi, Eva. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Glad so, to be here. Yes, um, you're Italian, and and you know Italy is known for fashion and food. We Correct. can say that. Yes. And so you love cooking. I do. Risotto. Risotto is <laughs> my key recipe. Yes. So your father um, owns a restaurant, and he has been your mentor your entire life. And people might actually be thinking, well, why does this has anything to do with education? And it's kind of, if we look closely at cooking and designing and curating a program from a school, it has a lot of similarities. You need good ingredients and passion. So tell us more about, you know, all of this, how it just combines together in your world. Absolutely, yeah. You need, you need a good ingredient, but you also need to know how to mix all the ingredients together. So. Um, from a culinary point of view, it takes years and years of practice to right. achieve the right risotto, which I still I don't think I've achieved. But but it's the same thing with an educational point of view. When when you know with with, with Marangoni here in Miami, when we putting courses together and we want to make sure that the students are successful and succeed, and we need to continuously be updated with what is happening within the industry right. from a design, styling, and and business point of view, and we may need to make sure that the ingredients we give the students, they know how to take these ingredients, how to put them together and actually achieve a successful outcome in, in the programs that, that they're doing. But above all, I guess it, it's the passion, you know, if you've got the ingredients but you don't have the passion, you don't believe in what you're going to make, you're never going to make a successful a successful dish. So it's, it's a combination of, of, of both. It's the passion, which is very important. Describe for people that don't know, what is the role and responsibilities of a director of education? So uh, my role as director of education of Instituto Marangoni Miami is to make sure that the whole academic side of the school works. Uh, right. It's my responsibility with my academic team to ensure that the quality of what we deliver matches what we deliver in our European schools. Uh, we come up with content, workshops, courses, you know, new ideas to add into courses to help to stimulate and to also make the course more, more contemporary. Um, like, you know, the fashion system has changed a lot in the, in the past decade from the whole, you know, fashion weeks disappearing, men and women blurring into one and the, you know, buy now, click now and all of those things. So we need to update the courses. So my role would be to make sure that our courses and, what, and our offerings are relevant to the contemporary market and to ensure that our students will be able to to be employable afterwards and to apply these and to become successful entrepreneurs and designers. What are the most popular courses uh, right now at uh, Marangoni Miami? Um, we have three bachelors. We have fashion design, fashion styling and fashion business plus we have a postgrad and I have to say that all three of those are, are super, super popular. We have avocational courses, which are, they range anywhere from three weeks to, to four weeks. And the styling one is very, very popular with that. So lots of students want to come and learn about the styling because we're one of the few universities in the States actually, which offers a degree in styling. And it's still relatively a new job, 
Right. And then there's always a confusion of the word. In Italian, we say stilista, but that's a designer and stylist. People kind of are confused what it means. So there's lots of interest in that. And when they find out what a stylist can do, you know, they, they really, really enjoy it to discover that. So I'd say styling is, is, is a good one that people are really interested in. Let's say that I want to take a course and uh, I don't have much time. What would you recommend? Well, we have different types of courses. So again, it would depend what, what, how much time you have. But we offer three-week courses, which are from a day to day, you know, from nine to four. Or we also have some evening classes. So a course could be four or five weeks where you frequent just two evenings a week. So we really try and work with the consumer to be able to make sure that they are able to take the courses, but also um, at your available time, because obviously I imagine you work, so during the day it's a bit restrictive. But we really try and cater, you know, we really want to have the possibility for everybody to be able to, to study something with us. So we've, we have created a series of courses which cater from a student to an executive level. Let's talk about what keeps students awake at night, because I'm sure that, you know, instead of going to get their bachelor's at X university, they come and they're really going into a niche. Exactly. So they are betting everything that this passion that they have or this idea that they have will actually work. Absolutely. So what are the most frequently asked questions from students to you in regards to their future and their professional path? Well, most of them, they always want to know when they're going to graduate, but it takes, it takes time. <laughs> but it's, it's, I think the students who come here, they, they understand the heritage and the history of Instituto Marangoni. Right. And they understand the pressure they are under because we expect the work to be of a certain level and a certain quality. At the end of the day, it's, that is what made, makes the Made in Italy uh, a, a product. So they really, they really want us to be able to help them to, to make us proud. They, you know, they, they really want us to really teach them all the finishings that they are from a, a making point of view, uh, from a design point of view, but also from a business point of view. They, they really want to be worthy of being an, a, a Marangoni alumni. So, you know, when exams come up, like this week is exams, so most of them aren't sleeping, it's because they really want to make sure that they they tick the Marangoni box, that they are worthy of being the Marangoni students. Because it's a big stamp when it's you a say that you Absolutely big Marangoni. stamp, you know, and we have lots of alumni, which is I think fantastic for Miami, is we have a huge Latam alumni base and whenever people come and visit us here in Miami, they, they're happy to share their experiences with the students and they're very encouraging to the students, but the one thing that they will always say is that you need their passion and, and you have to work hard to achieve what, what you want to achieve, you know. So, yes, anybody can design something, but few people can design something great if you do have sort of that passion when, when you're making something. And that is, I think, a huge requirement. You're developing an executive program. We are, yes. So for uh, people that are in a different place in their lives and probably are working for a fashion or a luxury Correct. lifestyle um, yes. group, what would you like to share with the audience about this project that you're doing? Well, we want to, you know, we, we understand that, as I said, fashion has changed. There, there are new methodologies of doing things, new ways of doing things, especially with social media and, and the whole digital e-commerce and commerce and, you know, and maybe 
someone like me who maybe studied 20 years ago, things have changed. So what we want to do is we want to, you know, give the, these executives the opportunity of sort of updating the skills of new approaches and new developments that are uh, that are happening. And these executive skills that you know, we worked with big brands, luxury brands, where they've actually asked us maybe from anything from a two-day to a one-week program, where they asked us what topic to cover because obviously they're focusing in certain things. So it can be something quite bespoke, depending on, on the company, or it can be a bit something more generic just for everybody who's in within that executive field to be able to update the skills that they maybe learned many years right. ago and now become again a bit more contemporary with, with the scenario. Let's talk about Miami, yes. your new home, my new 18 home. months here in Miami. Correct. And so you you studied in Marangoni, uh, then you worked at Marangoni in London. Correct. And now you're in Miami at Marangoni. I yes. mean, let's just say that your last name is Casagrande. Are you really sure about that? Yeah, I need to change that. Okay, I think you need to change that. I need to change that. But, you know, you have such an amazing career in education. You're really part of this institution from the core. I mean, yes. you've lived all the different stages. Correct. So now you come to Miami, you're in this town, new school, and, and what is your perception of what's going on in Miami? And how can Marangoni really influence uh, Miami in a very positive way? Miami has been great. I mean, after 13 years of London, it, it, it's a much needed change. I think. <laughs> you know, the scenario, the weather helps. But no, um, it's the same challenge that I felt when I moved to London to start the Marangoni there. You know, London. How do you compete with London and certain colleges that are already there? London has its own image, you know. So I think one thing that Marangoni has been successful in is the fact that when it goes to each of the cities, Paris, London, you know, it's managed to maintain its heritage and its identity, but also focus on what the city offers. Mm -hmm. I think with Miami, Miami is a smelting pot of cultures. It's, it's you know, we've got Latin America on one side. We have North America on the other side. And then it's the gateway from Europe. So you've got this melting pot of, 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 of cultures. And I think that's what's nice about Miami is the fact that although there is a distinct style, it's, it's quite tangible. You've got, because you've got all this variety of international people that come, there's space and room for everybody. So even from a design point of view, you know, the students that come here and want to be in fashion, They've got lots of demographics that they can focus on, that they can work on. There's, that's what I mean by there's, there's room for, for everybody. Us as a Marangoni being here is the fact that our aim is to become this creative hub mm -hmm. in Miami, to be able to bring something to the city which wasn't here before. And we've already started that, thanks to you as well, with your conversation with. Um, but, you know, there's, there's four of us that transferred here from Europe. Uh, three of us from London, one from Italy. So we, we bring in that connection that is, is, is with Europe, but also the events that we do, you know, it's our way of, of sort of giving something something to Miami. We, we've, you can feel it in the air that Miami, it's growing creatively and culturally. We've just had Art Basel and, you know, we, we've both witnessed the amazing events uh, that, that happened, you know. So we, we want to grow culturally with the city, you know, and we, we feel that there's so much space to, to grow and to give back and there's a hunger and you know we really want to sort of help feed that hunger from a cultural and from a design point of view. Because there's a lot of uh, museums and art and uh, universities and 
there's many things focus on that. Yes. Uh, many times I think the perception of fashion in Miami is not very much linked to education. No. And uh, with a school as prominent as Marangoni, I think it's going to help it exactly. tremendously. Just change the attitude. You know, interesting that in one of uh, the in conversations where we had Stephen Cole, the president yes. of the CFDA, who is the one that inaugurated them, and when asked what should students uh, in fashion design study, he said pattern making, and actually it's one of the courses that you provide. Absolutely, yes. And that we've had all other designers visiting. Yes. They and everyone they loves that. And everyone loves that floor, the sixth floor. The sixth floor, which has the best lighting of the school, but. I mean, it's interesting that to go to uh, university and see students sketching and really working with fabrics and understanding the patterns and the inspiration. Old school. Old school. Yeah. How do you combine that with this modern world of everything fast, technology, and what have you? Well, another thing that Marangoni prides itself on is the fact that we are traditionalists at heart with an eye in the future, absolutely. You know, so uh, you need to know the rules to, to, to break the rules. And when a student starts with us, the first year, everything is done by hand. Uh, the, from the drawing to, to, to drafting the patterns, I mean, everything is done I have to say that I don't even know how to use my hand anymore. I tried write, writing oh. a handwritten letter the other day and I was like, this is not good. You don't recognize <laughs> the writing, is, yeah. Um, Who am I? <laughs> But, uh, you know, so, but we do, at the same time, we understand the importance of, of the digital. So we slowly integrate the digital as the course progresses. Right. First, maybe using uh, CAD and software to create presentations, to doing the illustrations in, 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 you know, in, in your final year. Slowly, slowly, the students then have an option. They can either decide to continue, you know, when, they, when they're doing the illustrations, they can decide once they've learned the skills, if they want to draw them by hand with the Pantones, or if they want to do them digitally. And most of them, I have to say, prefer doing them old school style with the Pantones, and then they scan them into the computer. Well, that's what Joanne Ortiz was saying when she came to the school. I mean, how she just draws herself yes. her own patterns and, and silhouettes. And it's I think it's great. nice also when you look at maybe a person's research book or, or their notepad, you know, it's nice to see something that isn't so polished. You know, it's, it's nice to see a little hand drawing because it, it gives you more insight into the person, how the person is thinking things, you know, rather than seeing just a polished end result. So, you know, we always encourage to use both. But before we move on to the digital, we really have to make sure that they are able to do something by hand. So let's just say that there are um, specific course to the Instituto Marangon in Miami. One obviously is the city in itself yes. and a hub and how both can be beneficial to each other. And then it's the, it's the credibility, uh, the prominent uh, faculty that are providing students with you know, the best education yes. possible. And then obviously it's the third arm, which is sustainability, which Absolutely. is a big factor and of the school. And you know, during our Basel, there were two exhibits. Correct. One by Arcadia and then one here at the Marangoni with the art plastic. And tell us a little bit more about how you incorporate sustainability and why is it so important for the school? Well, it's very important. Our, our, the president of the Marangoni Miami, Hakan Baikam, he's a huge, huge supporter of sustainability. And I have to say that um, I thought about sustainability before, but it's since moving to Miami where, and I, I was talking about this last night during one of the panels, I don't know if it's 
being in a city where you're in constant contact with, with, with nature, the water, everything, you, you become a bit more aware of, of things. So what we've done, we decided, um, we all agree that it's an issue that is very, very important. It's growing a lot. And, you know, fashion is the second most polluting industry in, 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 in the world. So we were discussing one night, like how, how can we get back? How can we sort of atone what fashion is doing in our small way? And we decided, you know, let's add the sustainability factor within the courses right. from all options, from a design point of view, from a, bu a business point of view, and from a styling point of view. How do we do it? So, you know, we, we started re-looking at the structure of the curriculum, the content, what can we add to make it more sustainable? We, we've worked with the Upcycle project, which helped us come up with, with some ideas. You know, we've worked with Soho House where they donated unused bed sheets. And, you know, that's what we use with our students when they have to make their croquis or, or, or samples. Instead of buying white cotton, which ends up in landfill, let's use what Soho House can give us, the bed sheets. Obviously, we saw, you know, what, what is good to use. Um, in pattern cutting, we use a lot of paper. We use the zero waste method. And from a business point of view, we, we, we get people to actually identify the whole transparency factor. Where does a factory come from? Are people being paid correctly? You know, so it's small baby steps that we're doing, but we are changing this, you know, we, we, we're adding this element of sustainability without completely changing what, what the course is. But it's just, it's just something that is important. And we feel that as educators, we need to prepare the younger designers and the younger fashion entrepreneurs to be aware of, of this because it's not an issue that is going to disappear. Right. And there is not that much information out there. Like for a designer that wants to start a collection using uh, fabrics that are not polluting, where do you go? I mean, it's not that things are so easily found. No, and no, no, because it's still, it's right. still new. It's still new. So it's just having that information. And also it's expensive now to be mm -hmm. sustainable. But, right. you know, and I, I guess in 20, 30 years time, where it'll become the norm, it, it will be much cheaper. But at the moment, sustainability is associated to luxury as well because of, of the costs involved. And we need to sort of try and really, again, through education, break down this whole sense that it's it's a luxury business that has to be sustainability has to become something that is available to everybody across all you know and fast fashion doesn't help unfortunately right. you know but maybe we might be able eventually to get through to them as well and somehow fast fashion can become I don't know how I, but sustainable I don't know how but you know I always think that when people think about sustainability and fashion you know you don't get rid of a Balenciaga jacket no. Uh, and I don't get rid of my $400 pants. No. So it's, it's just things of, I think that this, you know, with the opening of globalization, with technology, everybody having access to more information, yeah. which was wonderful, it was very beneficial to fashion. But then, of course, it didn't come with the necessary information on even how to maintain exactly. certain items. I mean, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if they shouldn't give us a, a course on how to wash our clothes. Oh, that so would be really, really that would be helpful. really helpful because I think that when you put something that costs you forty dollars, sixty dollars, and you put it on the washing machine, and then it just uh, comes out, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Well, exactly. this is not really something that I can keep. I throw it away. So I think it starts from. 
from even that yeah. because there wasn't really uh, that information on how to take care of the exactly. fast fashion pieces. No, you know? they, they aren't. And you know, to be honest, none of us really look at the labels that much on washing. We I just confess <laughs> that I, I, and I've shrunk a few can't. things by mistake. I've done a lot of damage, yeah. but more damage than anything, I have to confess that I have burned a lot of dresses trying to iron them uh, on hotel rooms. So that's why uh, my uh, policy many years ago became I only travel with the things that don't wrinkle. Yeah, wrinkle free. That's fantastic. It's a wrinkle great invention. Free. <laughs> so that's the the only thing. But I think sustainability starts from education. I think it can be very good for companies to yes. really uh, explore that. So tell us a little bit about the exhibits that just took place during Art Basel. Yes. So we had two exhibits. One was with Arcadia Earth. Uh, we partnered up with them, and there was looking at sustainability from two different points of view, from a, a land point of view and from a water point of view. So from a land point of view, it's looking at how, and it was an amazing installation with, you know, with, with Arcadia Earth and Valentino Vettori, augmented reality, it was really cool. So it's really got you involved, you know, it wasn't just your boring, did you know, but it was an active, did you know. And it's just looking at how, you know, you can be sustainable by maybe eating less meat. Uh, the the deforestation and then you know food surplus we buy lots of things that we don't really need you know and then sometimes even 80% of what is in our fridge we throw away because we don't eat it from a water point of view it's the most important the plastic the, that we pollute in there the, the microfibers from when we wash our garments and the microplastics end up in the ocean and then you know also the sunscreen that kills the coral reef so it's just what we wanted them to see is that just by taking small steps we can make a difference to, to a sustainable lifestyle so that was the first one the second exhibition was called uh, fashion evolved the world of plastic plastics and that's when we had eight designers we invited eight designers to create awareness of the plastic issue by creating unique pieces made out of plastic it had to be 51% uh, reused upcycled plastic. And uh, it was really interesting. There were some really beautiful dresses made. Out there of was one of yours. There was one of mine. We teamed up with Typo, who's uh, he's become a friend now, but he's a great artist here in, in Miami, very colorful. So we, we did a little playful dress, <laughs> creating homage to Versace. Yeah, it was nice. It was fun. I saw that the students were very excited with all of these projects happening. And they did. They, they made a dress as well, which was very, very nice. And then Faith Connection came in as well. And then we had Faith Connection and Swiss Beats. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, we, we did We did with them. So our students, five of our students, customized the parkas uh, with the Swiss Beats and non-commissioned artists. And that was really good. You know, so we had sort of like, and it was all sustainable as well. It was using sustainable paints and everything. So it, it was sort of like, you had the one room where you had the installation and then behind you had the factory with the students working with the sort of Coachella, mm -hmm. Glastonbury vibe. And then you had the world of places the other day. So, you know, it, it, it was a nice way of seeing sustainability from different points of view. And I think it, it was nice for the audience to be able to, to experience this because we've had amazing feedback from people how they never knew or they weren't aware of certain things. You know, you can really see that they left willing to, to make a change with something. And again, I think it's nice where we can be educators, not only to our students, but also to the community and, and make them aware of how a sustainable life is, is a good life. Right. So we can say that credibility and innovation are 
the words uh, of the game yes, here absolutely. at Marangoni. How do you unplug? I mean, there's so much information and you have such an amazing responsibility. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of students and creating the curriculum yeah. depend on you. I mean, the right curriculum for the students, for the market. So how do you do it? Um, I'm a researcher by heart, so I find it quite difficult to unplug. I always feel that my mind needs to be busy somewhere. I mean, for me, unplugging is just going to an exhibition or, or, or reading a book, but I get distracted a lot reading a book nowadays. <laughs> We're so, a little different. I unplug yeah. going shopping. Do you? I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, walking. 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 No, but that's, uh, it's, 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 it, I think a museum is quite, is, is quite good and uh, that's the most thing. Oh, good movie. There's good movies nowadays. Bohemian Rhapsody is one I want to watch. You are a self-proclaimed romantic. Correct. Yes. So, and, and there's a lot of romance in the in the fashion business. I mean, what we do, but there's also the side of business. Yes. And I'm sure that you have seen a lot of romantics have a lot of great ideas with a lot of talent, and oh. then everything collapses. Because of Mr. Budget. <laughs> it's all about the money. <laughs> what happens, yeah. you know, why, why do those things happen? Because many times you have like a good product, you have the niche market, you have the good marketing team, and then you think, okay, I'm all set. And many times that's not the formula that no, works. It's not, you know, it's it's all about timing as well. And uh, and unfortunately, you know, it, being a romantic, you do live in this rose-tinted world, but there is a reality of things. And sometimes just because maybe you like something, it doesn't mean somebody else is, go is gonna like it. Um, you know, I joked about Mr. Budget, but it's true, we need to work we want to create something that is also affordable, you know, and, 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 and practical and wearable. And and I think a good designer can work under certain restraints. You know, your creativity isn't uh, jeopardized just because uh, of a budget. But it's very important from a business point of view. You really need to make sure that your product really is ready to be accepted. You know, are you really offering something that doesn't exist in the market? Because it happens that sometimes, you know, there are lots of clones uh, out there. So how do you stick out to that person? And I think one good thing of social media is, is, is the whole narrative nowadays that comes with your product. You know, people now, especially the younger generation are becoming a bit, you know, when they buy something, they wanna know why should I buy it first and how is that gonna affect my life or contribute to my life second, you know? so. When you're creating a story, they're not just buying a t-shirt or a jacket, but they're buying into what you are. Right. So I think you can have a strong product, whatever, but if you don't have a strong narrative to go with that or a strong justification to why I need to buy your product, I think that's where it's missing. And that is sometimes maybe a mistake that people do. You know, they they don't tell the full story or they don't show the full potential of, of that. So like, we always encourage students to really do a deep research into things and also the narrative is so important especially nowadays you know you need to tell yeah. a story absolutely one of the interesting things about the students right now at the school is you have from young students who are starting their careers Correct. to people that maybe already established their careers you have like a, des a designer that yes. has a designer label design label and she wanted to go back to school yes but let's focus on the the younger ones and let's even go further back to you're in high school you're thinking about fashion you want to sell the idea to your parents because who's going to pay for the school exactly you know? 
and what you know what would be the advice that you would give them well luckily we devised which is a very uh, american thing and i actually love it it's we we actually have summer camp we have fashion summer camp which happens so we have one in june and one in july and it's a two-week program and during this program it's specifically created for high school kids who are interested in fashion but you know it what is nice about the summer camp is the fact that they get introduced into all the careers of fashion because you know parents they think of fashion as a struggling artist no you're not going to make money but they kind of tend to forget that fashion there's a whole business side to fashion you know so fashion isn't just the designing there's there's the business side there's a styling side and you know, some students, they, you know, they know who Anna Winter is, they've all seen The Devil Wears Prada, but they don't understand that they have to study fashion to achieve that. So, so we create activations and events for high school kids where they can come here and experience, A, our school, but also what is the world of fashion. And hopefully, by coming to us, they, they will understand maybe in what aspect of fashion they, they want to focus on and, and right. work on. Or even if they are, if this is their path. If that's their path, exactly. Because you know, it, it's not necessary. That, yeah. Maybe they're just good shoppers, you know. Maybe they're good but shoppers. But they need to do our summer camp to find that out. No. And the summer camp, how how long does it last? It's a two week. Two weeks. Two week. So it's not much of investment. No, uh, no And no. you can get an idea of whether Absolutely. or not this is for you. Absolutely. And I think that's a fantastic And like idea. I said, you know, within these two weeks, they will look at the business side, the styling side, the design side, and the construction side. So we really show them everything that we offer in the school but it, you know it, it's it's a fun way it's, it's it's a summer camp we want them to enjoy the experience but also to learn from it so we've really devised a very very nice curriculum for the students right. to do you have your own brand yes so tell us a little bit more about that and uh because it's really interesting i mean you worked in, in versace and yes and you have that experience and uh, you're a stylist uh, by heart. I've done, yes, photo shoots. I've worked lots of magazines and editorials. And so then you created your own brand. Yes. The brand came about because I just focus on shirts. And I feel like, like a lady always needs, you know, a must-have is, is a black little black dress. A man needs to have a nice crisp white shirt. But also, I started the brand in 2012. And I was talking about this last night with, with, with the panel and I didn't realize it's been sustainable at the, at the time because I collect art. So I think it's nice when everything comes in a limited edition. So my idea was when I decided to go solo and create my own brand was to create a limited edition of, of shirts. But creating the limited edition was because I would go to the mills and only buy the remaining fabrics that was left. So I would ask what shirting fabric they have and how many meters. I would only buy maximum 15 meters because I wanted to create uh, a certain limited edition. So I would come up with eight styles per collection and you know I would make different sizes out of that fabric. And that was it because I didn't at the time think I needed extra fabric and you know there's already lots of waste. So subconsciously I ended up being sustainable and that's what, what I continue doing now is I, I create shirts using you know remaining fabrics because it's it's we don't need all that extra stuff going um, I'm working on a new project now which will, will come out next year a new Miami inspired collection <laughs> of shirts lots of prints but um, but yeah so it, 
I like creating these capsule collections. And it's great because it keeps you uh, in the loop of what's going on. Absolutely. And the students can identify with you. Yes. More than anything, as a director of education, but also you are a designer. Exactly. So you're and I ask them the questions. I ask them. You know, I mean, they might not be my demographic or whatever, but as a creative, I need to have feedback from other people. You know, and also, I have one way of perceiving things. They are a demographic that goes out there that buys. They 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 look at things. They're more aware of certain things. You know, so it's a two-way thing. We teach the students, but we learn from them as well. How do we keep young? And it's, it's by talking to the students. So I will share design ideas and concept with them and get their feedback and see, you know. And, and I have to say, kids are super honest. You know, if something doesn't, they, you know, and, and I hope they maintain this boldness in, in their professional careers as well. But, but it's, I have to say, it's good to actually bounce ideas off of them. It's really good. How would you describe yourself? Me? I'm a very introvert extrovert. I don't know. It's uh, I can be completely open and loud and bashful, but I think at heart I'm just a very shy guy next door. I don't know. It's uh, I'm a bit of a contradiction. You are. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I expect that answer. Yeah. No. I I can be extremely shy. But I can also be very. Nobody. You know what? Something. I don't think there's a persona. There's a mask. Yes, there's you know? a mask. So when I say and I'm shy, and then people see me on stage, and they are like, "Not true. You're you're just exaggerating." And I said, "No, it's because people see us in a role, yes. right? But they don't see us in a private life exactly. sometimes." Exactly, and that's that's different. And for example, me when I go to um, dinner or something of a friend, well, I can be that loud, talk a lot person. Or I can be more quiet, exactly. depending what is required of me. Exactly. But I'm not the, you know, the star of the party. No. So no. It depends I, the party, but no. Depends but, the party. Um, but no, uh, completely, completely the same way. You know. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in students is, and I think I'm going to generalize this, and, and in young generations is, based on my experience, and you tell me what you think. One of the most important aspects is knowing how to sell yourself. And I think many times people just focus on the work and yes. it has to be very good, but also in those moments of first impression, introducing yourself. What advice would you give people? Students need to learn to, to really pitch their ideas and to sell. Um, you, it's that whole thing again, going back to, to the narrative. You know, when, when you presenting a product to somebody and we've had the experience with Joanna Ortiz and all other people right. at the time as well you know you've got those three minutes to, to, to sell yourself be confident when you do it so we actually have classes on speech where we try and get students to, to really learn to, to pitch their ideas to be able to, to speak and just to be confident because you know they're good at what they're doing but sometimes they just don't have that the confidence in being able to, to really speak about their ideas. So we really try and encourage them as much as possible to do presentations. Uh, I love doing peer-to-peer -peer presentation with my students when instead of one student presenting to me, actually present to the whole class. That way they learn what it's like to work in, in, a, in a studio and in a group environment where you really, you know, nobody works by themselves anymore nowadays as well. And also, you know, with Instagram stories where you've got those 15 seconds if you make a video where you have to sell something, you need to be straight to the point, but you need to be direct 
and be able to convince people to do that. The classic elevator pitch, you know. So right. we really try and encourage students, and we are working on a new with our speaking uh, teacher to to really push on this. I think on this that skill. class of speech, I think that should be taken by a lot of people. I mean, yes. me included. Well, I think you should give it. Well, I don't know about that, but um, because you'd be shocked how, how how difficult sometimes it is to sell yourself. And I think that's the issue. Yeah. In a business like ours, I think many times we become very cautious of sounding arrogant because we've seen so many people that have no talent, yes. nothing to offer, talk a lot and sell themselves and get the job or get the uh, the star and and you know yeah, absolutely. be celebrities for 15 seconds and then they go nowhere. Yeah. But we've seen that and we kind of stay away from that. And in, I think in that duality, we miss the opportunities to really sell who we are and, and do that because we want to be different. You yes. Because there are so many people that sell themselves like they can change the world and then you're like, well, and I'm not so sure happens. about that. Nothing Correct. happens. Yeah. So I think it's more like how can you combine being straightforward, confident, but not arrogant. Exactly. That it's and so that's hard. Difficult. And that's you very know, difficult. difficult. Yes. Um, I mean, how many, how many times can you say your own name or talk about I? And I've been doing a lot of research into that because I realized that I was using a lot the I in the email. And then I read a fantastic article on how to avoid the I, but now I spend a lot of time trying to figure out grammatically how to eliminate the I, and it takes a lot of conscious and, and yeah. hard work. I mean, we use the we a lot because at the end of the day, I, I tend to use the we a lot because, uh, not because I'm royal, but just because <laughs> I always feel that I'm part of a team and anything right. that gets done here, I don't do alone. Of course. But you are, can say that. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I am I. Unless I am uh, in, in conversation with Isotomana yeah. uh, in Miami, where it is a we, because exactly. it is an effort put by everybody that I'm part of. Um, I always end the podcast with the idea of yes, you can, because I think that anything in life is possible. I think that you're a great example of somebody who start, you know, you were born and, uh, and in Italy and, yes. and you thought, well, yes, my life is going to be in a certain way, but I'm sure you never imagined that you were going to end up being in London and then being in Miami and working for Versace and creating your own brand. I don't think that you ever imagined that. No. Um, yeah, I, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I just took sort of one change at a time. I, it was go to university and then just find a job, but I had no idea that it would lead me to live this, I think this is my fifth or fourth city I live in. Incredible. I actually did the 20s in Milan, the 30s in London, my 40s are in Miami. So it's, <laughs> We're going to be your 50s. Oh, same parts. Same oh, parts, no absolutely. And a lot of emotional intelligence, right? Absolutely. In all of these places, because you have to adapt really, really fast. Exactly. So the speech is a very good a class. I think emotional intelligence should be another one. We'll work on that one. And we're, we'll be working on, on a lot of those. And I need to take one because uh, definitely this is a great school. And Thank you can you. learn from all the talented people we have here. So tell me, we started talking about food, which has a lot of similarities to fashion, people believe it or not. But tell me about your risotto. I mean, what makes it so special? 
I have a secret ingredient which <laughs> I cannot, I cannot share. share. But uh, but I'm going back home uh, next week, and I'm gonna have a risotto off with my dad. That's incredible. To see who makes the best one. But I'll cook you one one night. Thank so you. you thank you. Right. I think the one thing that you have taught people in Miami, and through the you know the events that we have been together and hosting the designers and being with the students is your quality as a human being. You know, you have this great career, you have this very important position, but you're very humble in the way that you present yourself. And that means a lot because you are giving a fantastic example to people. Thank and you. Uh, it's really great to have you around. So I hope that, you know, I don't know what 40s you are at, but I hope that it <laughs> stays longer than that. Oh, thank you, thank Massimo, you. Thank for you your so time. Much. Appreciate it. Thanks.